Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for original edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. <clears throat> On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from 9.15 to about 10.50 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're starting a new chapter, Chapter 25, The Remedy, with Sections 1 and 2, the introduction, and the appointed task. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for remembrance of our lesson of the day, lesson 266, My Holy Self Abides in You, God's Son. Thank you, Fran, for leading that most every day. Okay, Lori, do you have an opening for us? morning you would like to offer? Boy, I sure do. And it was a last-minute prompt that I'm very grateful for this morning. Whoops. There you go. The, the, um, <laughs> thank you. The poem is from Helen Shuckman in her book, The Gifts of God, the very first poem, The Singing Reed. My eyes would look upon the Son of God. For this I came to overlook the world and seeing it forgiven, understand its holiness is but the truth in me. The Christ walks forth in every step I take. God shines within me, lighting up the world in radiant joy. The Holy Spirit comes with me, lest I should turn and lose the way. For God has given me a goal to reach and has made certain that I cannot fail. And so he gave me eyes to see beyond appearances and shadows. <clears throat> Pardon me. I will see the Son of God exactly as he is. And in that sight is all the world transformed and blessed forever with the love of God. How holy are my footsteps which but go to do the will of God, whose Son I am. And how forever perfect is my will which is in no way separate from his own. My holy self abides in you, God's Son. Amen. Thank you, Lori. That was perfect. Yes, definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Okay, and with us in reading today, uh, I have noted here Lori, um, Donna, Karen, 
Fran, and Micah. And listening, I have Diana, Harrison, Roz, and Ida. <clears throat> is there anyone else who's joined the call? I'd like to <laughs> say good morning. I'm Steve. Uh, good morning, and I'm listening. Thank you. All right, Steve, welcome. Anyone else? All right. Okay, well, I'll get us started here with uh, Chapter 25, The Remedy, Section 1, Introduction. The Christ in you inhabits not a body, yet yet he is in you. Thus, it must be that you are not within a body. What is within you cannot be outside, and it is certain that you cannot be apart from what is at the very center of your life. What gives you life cannot be housed in death. No more can you. Christ is within the frame of holiness whose only purpose is that he may be made manifest to those who know him not that he may call to them to come to him and see him where they thought their bodies were. Then will their bodies melt away that they may frame his holiness in them. Lori? Chapter 25, The Remedy, Introduction. The Christ in you inhabits not a body, yet he is in you, and thus it must be that you are not within a body. What is within you cannot be outside, and it is certain that you cannot be apart from what is at the very center of your life. What gives you life cannot be housed in death, no more can you. Christ is within a frame of holiness, whose only purpose is that he may be made manifest to those who know him not, that he may call to them and come to him and see him where they thought their bodies were. Then will their bodies melt away, that they may frame his holiness in them. 2. No one who carries Christ in him can fail to recognize him everywhere, except in bodies. As long as they believe they are in bodies, where they think they are, he cannot be. And so they carry him unknowingly and do not make him manifest, and thus they do not recognize him where he is. The Son of Man is not the risen Christ, yet does the Son of God abide exactly where he is and walks with him with his holiness, as plain to see as is his specialness set forth within his body. Thank you, Lori. Donna. Two. No one who carries carries Christ in him can fail to recognize him everywhere except in bodies. 
As long as they believe they are in bodies where they think they are, he cannot be. And so they carry him unknowingly and do not make him manifest. And thus they do not recognize him where he is. The Son of Man is not the risen Christ, yet does the Son of God abide exactly where he is and walks with him within his holiness, as plain to see as is his specialness set forth within his body. Three, the body needs no healing, but the mind that thinks it is a body is sick indeed. And it is here that Christ sets forth the remedy. His purpose folds the body in his light and fills it with, his, with the holiness that shines from him. And nothing that the body says or does but makes him manifest. To those who know him not, it carries him in gentleness and love to heal their minds. Such is the mission that your brother has for you. And such it must be that your mission is for him. Thank you, Donna. And Karen, would you read three and then carry on with section title and four? Three. The body needs no healing, but the mind that thinks it is a body is sick indeed. And it is here that Christ sets forth the remedy. His purpose holds the body in his light and fills it with the holiness that shines from him. And nothing that the body says or does but makes him manifest. To those who know him not, it carries him in gentleness and love to heal their minds. Such is the mission that your brother has for you. And such it must be that your mission is for him. Uh, Chapter 25, The Remedy, Section 2, The Appointed Task. Or, it cannot be that it is hard to do the task that Christ appointed you to do, since it is he who does it. And in the doing of it, where you learn, the body merely seems to be the means to do it. For the mind is his, and so it must be yours. His holiness directs the body through the mind at one with him. And you are manifest unto your holy brother as he to you. Here is the meeting of the holy Christ unto himself nor are there excuse me nor are any differences perceived to stand between the aspects of his holiness which meet and join and raise him to his father whole and pure and worthy of his everlasting love thank you karen Two, the appointed task, paragraph four. 
It cannot be that it is hard to do the task that Christ appointed you to do, since it is he who does it. And in the doing of it, will you learn the body merely seems to be the means to do it. For the mind is his, and so it must be yours. His holiness directs the body through the mind at one with him. And you are manifest unto your holy brother as he to you. Here is the meeting of the holy Christ unto himself. Nor are any differences perceived to stand between the aspects of his holiness, which meet and join and raise him to his father, whole and pure and worthy of his everlasting love. Five. How can you manifest the Christ in you except you look on holiness and see him there? Perception tells you you are manifest in what you see. Behold the body, and you will believe that you are there. And every body that you look upon reminds you of yourself, your sinfulness, your evil, and above all, your death. And would you not despise the one who tells you this and seeks his death instead? The message and the messenger are one, and you must see your brother as yourself. Framed in his body, you will see your sinfulness within you stand condemned. Set in his holiness, the Christ in him proclaims himself as you. Thank you, Fran. And Micah? Okay. A five. How can you manifest the Christ in you except you look on holiness and see him there? Perception tells you you are manifest in what you see. Behold the body and you will believe that you are there. And every body that you look upon reminds you of yourself, your sinfulness, your evil, and above all, your death. And would you not despise the one who tells you this and seek his death instead? The message and the messenger are one, and you must see your brother as yourself. Framed in his body, you will see your sinfulness, wherein you stand condemned. Said in his holiness, the Christ in him proclaims himself as you. Perception is a choice of what you want yourself to be, the world you want to live in, and the state in which you think your mind will be content and satisfied. It chooses where you think your safety lies, at your decision. It reveals yourself to you as you would have you be, and always is it faithful to your purpose, from which it never separates nor gives the slightest witness unto anything the purpose in your mind upholdeth not. Perception is a part of what it is your purpose to behold. For means and end are never separate. And thus you learn what seems to have a life apart as none. Thank you, Micah. And is there a new reader who would like to read 6 and 7? Yeah. 
Yeah, I will. Um, thank you, Ida. Thank you. You're welcome. Six. Perception is a choice of what you want yourself to be, the world you want to live in, and the state in which you think your mind will be content and satisfied. It chooses where you think your safety lies at your decision. It reveals yourself to you as you would have you be. (laughs) And And always is it faithful to your purpose from which it never separates nor gives the slightest witness unto anything the purpose in your mind upholdeth not. Perception is a part of what it is your purpose to behold, for means and end are never separate. And thus you learn what seems to have a life apart has none. 7. You are the means for God, not separate nor with a life apart from His. His life is manifest in you who are his son. Each aspect of himself is framed in holiness and perfect purity, in love celestial and so complete it wishes only that it may release all that it looks upon unto itself. Its radiance radiance shines through each body that it looks upon and brushes all its darkness into light merely by looking past it to the light. The veil is lifted through its gentleness, and nothing hides the face of Christ from its beholders. And both of you stand there before him now to let him draw aside the veil that seems to keep you separate and apart. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. And is there another new reader for paragraph 7 and 8? I can do it. Um, It's Jessica. Thank you, Jessica. Okay, 7. You are the means for God, not separate nor with a life apart from his. His life is manifest in you who are his son. Each aspect of himself is framed in holiness and perfect purity, in love celestial, and so complete it wishes only that it may release all that it looks upon unto itself. Its radiance shines through each body that it looks upon and brushes all its darkness into light merely by looking past it to the light. The veil is lifted through its gentleness, and nothing hides the face of Christ from its beholders. And both of you stand there before him now to let him draw aside the veil that seems to keep you separate and apart. Since you believe that you are separate, heaven presents itself to you as separate too. Not that it is the truth, but that the link that has been given you to join the truth may reach to you through what you understand. Father and Son and Holy Spirit are as one, as all your brothers join as one in truth. Christ and his Father never have been separate, 
and Christ abides within your understanding in the part of you that shares his Father's will. The Holy Spirit links the other part, the tiny mad desire to be separate, different, and special, to the Christ to make the oneness clear to what is really one. In this world, this is not understood, but can be taught. Thank you, Jessica. And is there another new reader for 8 and 9? Okay, back to you, Lori. 8. Since you believe that you are separate, heaven presents itself to you as separate too. Not that it is in truth, but that the link that has been given you to join the truth may reach to you through what you understand. Father and Son and Holy Spirit are as one, as all your brothers join in one, join as one in truth. Christ and his Father never have been separate. And Christ abides within your understanding in the part of you that shares his Father's will. The Holy Spirit links the other part, the tiny mad, the tiny mad desire to be separate, different, and special to the Christ to make the oneness clear to what is really one. In this world, this is not understood, but can be taught. Nine. The Holy Spirit serves Christ's purpose in your mind so that the aim of specialness can be corrected where the error lies. Because his purpose still is one with both the Father and the Son, he knows the will of God and what you really will. But this is understood by mind perceived as one, aware that it is one and so experienced. It is the Holy Spirit's function to teach you how this oneness is experienced what you must do that it can be experienced, and where you should go to do it. Thank you, Lori. Donna. Nine. The Holy Spirit serves Christ's purpose in your mind so that the aim of the specialness can be corrected where the error lies because his purpose still is one with both the Father and the Son. He knows the will of God and what you really will. But this is understood but this is understood by mind perceived as one aware that is one and so experienced. It is the Holy Spirit's function to teach you how this oneness is experienced, what you must do that it can be experienced, and where you should go to do it. Ten. All this takes note of time and place as if they were discrete. For while you think that part of you is separate, The concept of a oneness joined as one is meaningless. It is apparent that a mind so split 
could never be the teacher of a oneness which unites all things within itself. And so what is within this mind and does unite all things together must be its teacher, capital T. Yet must it use the language which this mind can understand in the condition in which it thinks it is. And it must use all learning to transfer illusions to the truth, taking all false ideas of what you are and leading you beyond them to the truth that is, that is beyond them. All of this can very simply be reduced to this. What is the same cannot be different. And what is one cannot have separate parts. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you, Donna. And Karen, would you read 10 and 11? Yes. 10. All this takes note of time and place, as if they were discrete. But while you think that part of you is separate, the concept of a oneness joined as one is meaningless. It is apparent that a mind so split could never be the teacher of a oneness which unites all things within itself. And so, what is within this mind and does unite all things together must be its teacher. Yet must it use the language which this mind can understand in the condition in which it thinks it is. And it must use all learning to transfer illusions to the truth, taking all false ideas of what you are and leading you beyond them to the truth that is beyond them. All this can very simply be reduced to this. What is the same cannot be different. And what is one cannot have separate parts. Thank you, Karen. And Brian, would you summarize there with the last bit of 10 and 11? I'm sorry, would you say that again? I didn't understand that. Oh, I just read the little lead-in from 10 or as much of 10 as you want to read and then read 11. 10 and 11. Okay, I'll read them both. 10. All this takes note of time and place as if they were discrete. But while you think that part of you is separate, the concept of a oneness joined as one is meaningless. It is apparent that a mind so split could never be the teacher of a oneness which which unites all things within itself. And so what is within this mind and does unite all things together must be its teacher. Yet must it use the language which this mind can understand in the condition in which it thinks it is. And it must use all learning to transfer illusions to the truth taking all false ideas of what you are and leading you beyond them to the truth that is beyond them. 
All this can very simply be reduced to this. What is the same cannot be different, and what is one cannot have separate parts. Mm, thank you, friends. So, <laughs> okay, there is the summary. What is the same cannot be different, and what is one cannot have separate parts. I'll try to recap this without reading it entirely. <laughs> okay, so we've started Chapter 25, The Remedy, in the introduction Paragraph 1, the Christ in you inhabits not a body, <clears throat> yet, it, yet he is in you. And thus it must be that you are not within a body. And it is certain that you cannot be apart from what is at the very center of your life. Christ is within a frame of holiness whose only purpose is that he may be made manifest to those who know him not, that he may call to them to come to him and see him where they thought their bodies were. Then will their bodies melt away that they may frame his holiness in them. No one who carries Christ in him can fail to recognize him everywhere. The Son of Man is not the risen Christ, yet does the Son of God abide exactly where he is and walks within, within his holiness, as plain to see as is his specialness set forth within his body. The body needs no healing, but the mind that thinks it is a body is sick indeed. And it is here that Christ sets forth the remedy. <clears throat> his purpose holds the body in his light and fills it with the holiness that shines from him. And nothing that the body says or does but makes him manifest. To those who know him not, it carries him in gentleness and love to heal their minds. Such is the mission that your brother has for you, and such it must be that your mission is for him. Okay, in section two, the appointed task. It cannot be that it is hard to do the task that Christ appointed you to do since it is he who does it. And in the doing of it will you learn the body merely seems to be the means to do it. For the mind is his. And so it must be yours. His holiness directs the body through the mind at one with him. And you are manifest unto your holy brother as he is to you. Here is the meeting of the holy Christ unto himself, nor are any differences perceived 
to stand between the aspects of his holiness, which meet and join and raise him to his Father, whole and pure and worthy of his everlasting love. How can you manifest the Christ in you except you look on holiness and see him there? The message and the messenger are one, and you must see your brother as yourself. Framed in his body, you will see your sinfulness where you stand condemned. Set in his holiness, the Christ in him proclaims himself as you. Perception is a choice of what you want yourself to be, the world you want to live in, and the state in which you think your mind will be content and satisfied. It chooses where you think your safety lies at your decision. It reveals yourself to you as you would have you be. Creator that you are. (laughs) It is always faithful to your purpose from which it never separates nor gives the slightest witness unto anything the purpose in your mind upholdeth not. Perception is part of what it is your purpose to behold, for means and end are never separate. And thus you learn what seems to have a life apart as none. No life apart. You are the means for God, not separate nor with a life apart from it. His life is manifest in you who are his son. Each aspect of himself is framed in holiness and perfect purity, in love celestial, and so complete it wishes only that it may release all that it looks upon unto itself. Its radiance shines through each body that it looks upon and brushes all its darkness into light merely by looking past it to the light. The veil is lifted through its gentleness and nothing hides the face of Christ from its beholder. And both of you stand there before him now to let him draw aside the veil that seems to keep you separate and apart. Since you believe that you are separate, heaven presents itself to you as separate too. Not that it is in truth, but that the link that has been given you to join the truth may reach to you through what you understand. Father and Son and Holy Spirit are as one, as all your brothers join as one in truth. Christ and his Father never have been separate, and Christ abides within your understanding in the part of you that shares his Father's will. The Holy Spirit links the other part, the tiny mad desire to be separate, different, and special, links it to the Christ to make oneness clear to what is really one. In this world, this is not understood, but can be taught. 
the Holy Spirit serves Christ's purpose in your mind so that the aim of specialness can be corrected where the error lies. It is the Holy Spirit's function to teach you how this oneness is experienced, what you must do that it can be experienced, and where you should go to do it. All of this takes note of time and place as if they were discrete. For while you think that part of you is separate, the concept of a oneness joined as one is meaningless. It is apparent that a mind so split could never be the teacher of a oneness which unites all things within itself. And so what is within this mind and does unite all things together must be its teacher. Yet must the teacher use the language which this mind can understand in the condition in which it thinks it is. The Holy Spirit must use all learning to transfer illusions to the truth, taking all false ideas of what you are and leading you beyond them to the truth that is beyond them. Well, that was very beautiful and clear, but it can be summarized to this. What is the same cannot be different, and what is one cannot have separate parts. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Mm. Thank you, Lemoyne. You are welcome. Thanks, Lemoyne. That was nice. Yeah, good summary. Yeah, thank you, Lemoyne. Oh, I just had one request. Um, I loved what you highlighted, but sometimes I got lost. I wanted to make some marks, and it, it, it would help if you would say what paragraph you were on. Okay. Now, okay. But, but usually I could follow you, though. Thanks, though. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's me thinking I need to hurry. Uh, I just, I'll, I'll try and leave the proper bread from, as it were. <clears throat> Good job, though. Well, it's, this has brought us up to the top of the hour, so, Fran, would you uh, review the lesson for us? Sure. For the day? Thank you. Yep. Thank you. <clears throat> Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook, and the theme that we are now on is what is the body? And the lesson is Lesson 266. My holy self abides in you. God's Son. So I'll read some from What is the Body? The body is a fence the Son of God imagines he has built to separate parts of his self from other parts. It is within this fence he thinks he lives to die as it decays and crumbles. For within this fence he thinks that he is safe from love. The body will not stay. Yet this he sees as double, quote, safety. For the Son of God's impermanence is, quote, proof his fences work 
and do the task his mind assigns to them. The body is a dream. Like other dreams, it sometimes seems to picture happiness, but can quite suddenly revert to fear, where every dream is born. For only love creates in truth, and truth can never fear. Made to be fearful, must the body serve the purpose given it? But we can change the purpose, which the body will obey, by changing what we think that it is for. The body is the means by which God's son returns to sanity. Though it was made to fence him in to hell without escape, yet has the goal of heaven been exchanged for the pursuit of hell. The son of God extends his hand to reach his brother and to help him walk along the road with him. Now is the body holy. Your safety lies in truth and not in lies. Love is your safety. Fear does not exist. Identify with love and you are safe. Identify with love and you are home. Identify with love and find your capital S self. Now we'll go over to the lesson. Lesson 266. My holy self abides in you, God's son. Father, you gave me all your sons to be my saviors and my counselors in sight, the bearers of your holy voice to me. In them are you reflected, and in them does Christ look back upon me from myself. Let not your son forget your holy name. Let not your son forget his holy source. Let not your son forget your name is his. This day we enter into paradise, calling upon God's name and on our own, acknowledging ourselves in each of us, united in the holy love of God. How many saviors God has given us, and how can we lose the way to him when he has filled the world with those who point to him and given us the sight to look on them? We'll take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 266, my holy self abides in you, God's son. This day we enter into paradise, calling upon God's name and on our own, acknowledging ourselves in each of us, united in the holy love of God. Lesson 266, my holy self abides in you, God's Son. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Welcome. This is Donna. In the in the uh, opening, you read Laurie in the early. I think in this. I think it might be in the last paragraph of um, introduction. But I had written a note up when you were reading God, whose son I am, and and I read. I think it's a somewhere in verse three where I said, "Oh my God, that confirms just what Laurie read." And. Um, and that first sentence also, Christ is me. That that just hit me. Christ is me. And and in a second paragraph of of introduction, um, what came to me was uh, Philippians two five. Let that mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus also. And it came to me like this: Let this mind, which is in Christ, be in your awareness, also, recalling. You are not a body. And another uh, cool thing was uh, in five, paragraph five, the sentence, the message and the messenger are one. And that made sense to me this way. See Christ in every form rather than even say in body. See Christ in every form. And I think there was one more I think was worth. The last um, sentence of six, and thus you learn what seems to be, or it doesn't say seems to be, I put, what you, thus you learn what seems to be, which is we seem to think we're a body. But the Holy Spirit, I made a note, the Holy Spirit draws attention the Holy Spirit draws to our attention what seems to be what we thought we wanted. So to me, that's my understanding of we thought we wanted this dream, and, and he's trying to show us uh, we don't. I am complete. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. That was just yes, all thank great. You, Donna. Uh, this is Mike. Uh, I 
I'm curious about how you know how Jesus uses this line in paragraph two. No one who carries Christ in him can fail to recognize him everywhere except in bodies. And it, it's really uh, a powerful statement. And it, it's because he knows again that well, he knows the transformation in our perception is going to occur. He highlights that here in paragraph 3. Christ's purpose folds the body in his light and fills it with the holiness that shines from him. And nothing that the body says or does but makes him manifest. And then he uh, highlights the beauty of the body here as it's seen through this other lens. Its, ra- its radiance shines through each body that it looks upon. Uh, let's see. Uh, hold on just a second. Its radiance shines through each body that it looks upon and brushes all its darkness into light merely by looking past it to the light. The veil is lifted through its gentleness and nothing hides the face of Christ from its beholder. And then in the lesson, it it was highlighted that Fran just read, um, the Son of God extends his hand to reach his brother and to help him walk along the road with him. Now is the body holy. Now it serves to heal the mind that it was made to kill. And so the body has become repurposed and, and... but this, it's an important, it's a critical movement. This first line in paragraph two, no one who carries Christ in him can fail to recognize him everywhere except in bodies. Because he's trying, for me, he's trying to lift my awareness out of body identification and to get my a glimpse of what what this shared consciousness is of the Christ of the sameness and um and i also noticed the, i noticed the little uncomfortableness this morning about this sameness you know like again that what we have made is precious you know jesus says what you have made is precious to you and it it's i, I it was a little bit disconcerting to see how something still is kind of resistant about uh, this movement out of individuation, out of this, you know, this thing I've made that's precious, and into into this uh, oneness of the Christ. And I was a little concerned about that, and I even wrote, you know, and I, I just kind of like burned up these blocks that I that I felt inside um, to move into a oneness. And then as time went on, as the, as the text was being read and the lesson read, um, I could feel a softening where something was just resting more in the Christ in a peaceful way. And that was a relief, you know, that how gentle that... And that was just a hint of it, you know, but it was real gentle and peaceful and uh, nurturing. And it... And it didn't have that sense of body identification as much. And uh, anyway, I guess that's that's it for now. Thank you.
That was very lifting, Micah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Thank you, Micah. Thank you, Micah. You bet. This is Jessica. Um, I, (laughs) yeah, this, this is, uh, well, this might not be so uplifting because I'm focusing on in paragraph five where he says, uh, behold the body and you will believe that you are there and every body that you look upon reminds you of yourself, your sinfulness, your evil, and above all, your death. And would you not despise the one who tells you this and seek his death instead? Um, And it's, you know, it's very stark the way he's saying it, but I recognize something there that is familiar to me. And it's, it's something that is sort of unconscious most of the time, or has been, and it's not anymore. And, and when I'm aware of it, then I know that I'm, I'm looking at bodies and thinking that that's who people are and that's who I am. Um, because, because there is this fascination I will call it, you know, our people in our culture would be comfortable with the term fascination of death and murder. You know, <laughs> certainly the culture is pretty obsessed with it. And I wonder why he's telling us why. Um, and then, and then at the end, that sentence at the end um, about all this can be very simply reduced to this. What is the same cannot be different. So everybody I look upon is not different from anybody else or me. And and um, what is one cannot have separate parts. So they're not different and they are one with me. And, you know, again, our culture uh, encourages us. I mean, we're, we're always taught to look for what differentiates things. You know, like preschool, kindergarten. Um, One of these things is not like the other. Like pick out the one that's different and put it in this pile. And these are the big ones and those are the small ones. And these are, you know, um, make, make categories of everything. And these are, these people are, blind and these people are you know uh, deaf and those people are handicapped and have to get around in a wheelchair Um, and it's like absolutely de rigueur to see those things you know if you don't notice that somebody is limping or unable to get the door open or um you're not paying attention, and paying attention means you see the differences. You see that this one is scowling, and that means that they're dangerous or they're, you know, to be avoided or something like that. Um, I mean, that's certainly how, as a young woman and medium-aged woman, I, I definitely would pay a lot of attention to particularly men and their facial expressions and their eye 
you know, where they where they were looking and what they were what their movements were like because it was all about making sure I would be safe and feeling unsafe. And and this is just complete completely the opposite of what the truth is. You know, um and I know some of you are familiar probably with Peace Pilgrim and how he uh traveled mostly this country I guess spreading peace and and um had nothing with her. And she would encounter people who others considered to be violent or they initially might have uh, expressed some hatred or, or, or violent intentions. But when they, were, were, when they saw her and interacted with her, all of that went away because she didn't see that. I mean, she was kind of like a, a Christ-like figure. I mean, she had the Christ in her. And so she would see the Christ in them, and they would then recognize that they weren't who they thought they were. Anyway, I love that last line. It's so beautiful. I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you, Jessica. Hey there, this is Steve. I've been, I'm driving now, but <clears throat> in the house before I left, I, I searched for that paragraph that Lemoyne reread about right before the lifting of the gentle veil, gentle lifting of the veil, <clears throat> is that we can in our lives sweep away the darkness by looking past it to the light. And for me, that can practically be done whenever I find myself uh, in a disturbing judgment of another human being. I can... uh, I'm instructed practically to go from my mind and the head and just look past my thoughts and just go into my heart where the oneness is with whatever that person is in my judgment expressing. So it's a very practical thing is to look to the light That's how I brush away the darkness. I don't engage in the darkness. And it's a choice. And it's a wonderful way to live in peace and healing. I'm complete. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, thank you, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Good stuff, Steve.
Hi, this is Chris. Can you hear me through this headset? Yeah, it sounds great. Very well. Oh, good, good. Yeah. Um, I I really enjoyed what Steve was saying to, in essence, what I'm hearing him saying is to be remain in the light whenever temptation comes up. Um, and that that holy self abides in my brother and and having faith and trust that that happens when a grievance comes up about my brother and i was this 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 was a very uh interesting way that presented itself within me uh, yesterday, I was putting up Venetian blinds in the in my window, and as I was putting up Venetian blinds, I uh, uh, one of the screws that I was using fell uh, to the floor, slipping from that in the wall, and then my my um, screwdriver fell and one of the things that I noticed was an upset a frustration and what the what the neat thing was that I was witnessing that and I knew this was about me from the past um, and that I was witnessing that harsh feeling that was coming up for me. Um, and I knew that that was something from the past because the screw was falling and the screwdriver fell. And that's what gravity does if you don't hold on to things. It just goes down. But why am I feeling the way, why am I witnessing what I'm feeling right now? Um, and what was happening within me is that that was triggering or bringing up that feeling. And as I witnessed that, I wanted to move past that or stay in the moment and allow that to pass uh, but a memory came up for me also and that memory was when I used to help a loved one in my family put together something fix something and that loved one would feel frustrated towards me for not doing it exactly as he wanted it to and that's exactly the feeling I was feeling, I was witnessing within myself. So, of course, it was an opportunity to forgive and to allow that to move. I saw my higher self, the light of my higher self, come, come into that loved one and myself simultaneously and 
it was being released at that time. I, I stepped back, paused, and it, 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 was, it was gone. So after, after I did that forgiveness choice, I went back to putting the Venetian blinds up, and a similar situation happened. This time, quite a few of the uh, screws fell, and then the lid opened up, and there were screws all over the floor. But there was something different. I was at peace. I was very gentle and at peace and picking that up. And as I was picking it up, I noticed that. And it's like, wow, thank you. That's what I wanted, to remain at peace as gravity did its stuff. I'm complete. That's really beautiful, Chris. I love it. Yeah, I that love that. Enjoyable. Thank, Thank you. you, Chris. Thanks Thank for sharing. You. Congratulations. Good share. You know, uh, as you were sharing, Chris, it reminded me, those of us that are doing this course and other spiritual practices, I believe I'm not just speaking for myself, but old memories are like splinters in the body that the body will attempt to bring to the surface and then be released. This is the natural way. This is the innate ability of the body because spirit and, and of spirit, because the spirit itself is not a 99.9% pure. It's 100% pure gold, for lack of another word. But, and therefore, anything, even 0.001% of, of anything other than the purity of this loving, healing presence will be brought to the surface to be released. The other day, I can't believe I remembered a pet rabbit when I was a child uh, that got eaten by dogs. Now, I can remember it as a mental fact, but I revisited it on an emotional sadness that needed to come out of me because our bodies actually have, like Thich Nhat Hanh was saying yesterday, your body has the secrets of the mineral kingdom, the animal kingdom, the plant kingdom. The body itself has stored information. And it goes beyond the body that we talk about in the course. We're talking about the intelligence that is the knowing of everything that is in our bodies. And that I love the fact that old memories, in our, we are being purified. And rather than stuff them down, we are relaxing and letting them come up and out, because spirit wants to be 100% purely expressed, and it's happening in all of us, and I'm complete. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this is this is Lemoyne. I, I that I want to pair that with something from a course of love that says uh all sickness is rejected feeling. And you know, I think the the feelings that feelings are, are like thoughts in the way that they don't leave they don't leave their source. So when we have a feeling and reject it and we manage to put it out of mind, it doesn't really go anywhere except out of our awareness. And so I know this is a this has been a problem for me. since I was a child and I you know, I got into a situation where I made I made big decisions and felt feelings that I didn't want to feel and re- rejected and because I made the choice not to reach out to uh people who would actually love and care for me and help me with it and dealt with it alone, it just became the way life is for me. And uh but they didn't go anywhere. <laughs> so, you know, it's like that same the same situation seemed to arise again and again in different form and and I can see now that that's like you know, it's not there's a unity here. I mean part of it's me dealing, you know, dealing with these feelings by not dealing with them and they're just trying to get in, you know, a, a trial is a lesson not yet learned. I'm just getting continually being in a place where those feelings needed to be brought up and, and allowed to pass through and accepted as entirely appropriate at the time, uh, you know, or maybe not entirely, but un- completely understandable from the from the uh, uh, perception of separation that arose from the imposition of it, and uh, <clears throat> imposition of separation, and so you know, I I think it's this thing where we think we reject them, but they don't go anywhere, and some of them end up lodged in the body. It's not the body's fault is that we're trying to hide them and we think we're a body and, and and alone then they we reject them they don't go anywhere they they get held somewhere in the subconscious and imposed on our image of what we think we are so that was that was great Steve what you said about about just you know letting it it also relates to to Chris and the Chris's share and the way to do it 
the way to recognize when they come up what's needed and what's called for is forgiveness. I think that I may, Laura, you can correct me, but I think forgiveness is one of the elements by which our specialness is is converted by the Holy Spirit into our special function. And uh, yeah, I'm going to stop there. Thank you, Lemoyne. One quick, helpful technique for me is whether it's physical pain or emotional pain to notice because both of them will 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 the body is a communication device and and for me i think it's true of many others if you scan your body particularly your shoulders maybe your facial muscles but for me it's the shoulders as when I'm having an experience of discomfort or a held resentment and I relax my shoulders, it reminds me to relax my mind and allow through softness of the body and softness of the receptive mind to allow the healing spirit of forgiveness to come in. So today I remain vigilant to relax along with not just physical relax, but simultaneously I open up to the healing, to the healer, to the great physician within by dropping my shoulders. For you it might be your hands or your thumb or your arms or your facial muscles, but for me it's the shoulders. I'm complete. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, thank you, Steve. Very practical. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Uh, this is Micah, real quick. Um, I, I was looking at this this oneness, and it was a it, it's creating a nice contrast because I'm sitting here with an, another person, Roz, you know, a body in space time, and I'm I'm looking at these passages here, like in paragraph four, he says, um, "Here is the meeting of the Holy Christ unto Himself." nor are any difference perceived to stand between the aspects of his holiness. And then further on in 5, he says, Set in your brother's holiness, the Christ in him proclaims himself as you. And then in paragraph 7, um, And both of you stand there before him now to let him draw aside the veil that seems to keep you separate and apart. And then eight, Father and Son and Holy Spirit are as one, as all your brothers join as one in truth. And then in nine, he says, uh, it is the Holy Spirit's function to teach you how this oneness is experienced, what you must do that it can be experienced, 
and where you should go to do it. And then in the last paragraph, uh, a oneness joined as one, and later on, a oneness which unites all things within itself. And I'm I'm looking at this time-space I must be going to say something really good. <laughs> <Some idea. laughs> um, anyway, Carry on. So I'm, I'm looking at this experience in space-time of it seems like two separate bodies sitting here, the feeling of a mica. And, and here's this in, invitation to move into a oneness. And, and how real that is this oneness how real it is and uh, anyway I, I, it's it's a startling section we were reading and I'm done thank Mike that was really special yeah thank you you're welcome. Hey, Fran. We were Roz and I were just looking at your picture on Facebook. <laughs> oh, really? Which one is that? It's the one where you. you it looks like you're with your two children, and. Um, your oh, my old artist. one. Your oh, husband does. <laughs> anyway, nice to see you. That's an old one. This is Donna. Uh, when somebody earlier mentioned about accept in bodies in uh, paragraph two, it got my mind to wondering about body. And so I thought, hmm, body. So body is actually, and I think we read this sort of, body is a wish, a want, a thought. And it's referred to as the veil in today's reading. Now, the body has a mind and it has eyes. The mind, see, the mind has the thought of the world of mental separateness. The eyes see a perceived body as a vehicle to experience what is an imagination or an imagined manifested body in a world of time. The Holy Spirit uses this misperception by kindly 
awaken the ever-present Christ consciousness, giving in each Christ consciousness a unique way to become omni-aware of who we are. And the Christ, uh, the Holy Spirit uses the body and he sees and we learn to see. We see what we see as a body. We then begin to see as a vehicle of spirit and truth which is actually what the Holy Spirit is. The only way we can worship God is through spirit and truth. And then uh, we began to learn, because the Holy Spirit is teaching us, to let this begin to unfold. And as, as we began to realize, well, because the body is so confusing, except in the body, and you get caught up in, well, I'm in a body. How can I do anything or be anything or look at that out there? That's a body out there. Well, how can I see that as Christ? But that is true seeing, and that's the purpose, sole purpose of the Holy Spirit, to see Christ everywhere. So we begin to become very alert by the Holy Spirit's teaching, each of us uniquely, to see thoughts and pictures of the invalid perceptions and we shift our attention to a waking prayer or confession or mantra to some saying that the Holy Spirit or some method the Holy Spirit has given to each one of us to begin to know what really is. And in paragraph seven, the face of Christ was mentioned. And so right where we see it, uh, what we perceive as a body and we call a human being and we may see a face or not make it out, but we know that's the face of Christ because that perhaps is one of the ways the Holy Spirit is beginning to make you know that's the face of Christ. There's only the mind of Christ behind that face and and that's what I'm leading you to awaken and to see. So, uh, each one of us have a prayer. I do have a prayer. And this is how I look at everyone who used to be an enemy to me, everyone who I used to make past judgment on. And I'll, from first, I start with myself because I'm still judging myself. And I simply say about myself and then anyone else I happen to see or come to mind, I am a place where God's presence reveals itself as omniactive love intelligence. And I've mentioned that. I picked up from... Um, Metapsychiatry, Dr. Hora, who was a psychiatrist at, at Columbia and had a private practice to give him credit where credit is due, I am complete. I love that prayer, Donna. Thank well, you. thanks, Donna. Yeah, and could be, you know, I, I understand you, you wanted to give the reference. Could you just give us the prayer now that you've given the reference? I am the place where... I am a place where God's presence manifests itself as omniactive love hyphen intelligence. 
Any folks. Thank you. That was great. Well, good morning, everyone. This is Lori. And um, boy, I love the way he rolls right out of the gate in this section, the remedy, with a real clear explanation of what life is. I'm recalling that life is of the mind and only in the mind, and all life is God because the living God created only life. His life is what you are, and you are what his life is. Remember all those quotes? And um, and, and in this reading, um, he wants me to know that the body cannot contain what life is. And if you've ever looked into a casket, you know immediately that life is not there. Um, life is of the mind. And the mind that serves the spirit knows exactly what it is and what truth is. <clears throat> because that's the function of spirit. He said early in this work that the separation was not an act. It was a failure in communication. I forgot that my mind created by God is always linked to God because that's how I was created as an aspect of himself. He calls capitalist self he also calls Christ. He gave me all my knowledge saved for me in the form of the Holy Spirit that links that little tiny part of my mind that forgot with all the rest that still knows and remembers that life is as holy as the holiness that gave it life. That's a quote. In this reading, uh, two, two words stand out for me. One is experience, and the other one is manifest. God wishes to manifest life as love, because God is love. And that wish to manifest life is what life is. All life is reflected from the mind of God. All life is. We call it many names. Mind, light, Christ, truth. But the names don't matter. What matters is how I experience it. And I can only experience it as I share it. That's a fact. That is just a fact. 
and the clearest way that I can share it is to let it be reflected in my clear mind when I don't have ideas of separation and darkness and condemnation and blame and sin and guilt and fear crowding my mind what's really happened is I've let the Holy Spirit release me from those things those ideas those were ideas of the separate mind not in communication that little tiny aspect of my my beingness that I identified with as in a body but that's not where life is remember life is of the mind Holy Spirit gave me every lesson in this workbook to help me remember the truth every every lesson is a lesson straight from Holy Spirit to the truth in my mind that remembers my mind remembers this that's why every lesson has a resonance you feel that you feel that when you sit in quiet and think my holy self abides in you God's son you can feel that and we 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 resonate with it we vibrate with it we recognize it um because it is the truth and we are constituted created in such a way that when truth lights up the mind it's experienced as a vibration um we call that word resonance but you recognize it and the part of you where the truth is recognizes it because that's the life of God in the mind of God life is of the mind and in the mind and the only way I can share it is by manifesting it he says you look in before you look out and this is where we get confused you know one one day uh, seems like a long time ago I, and I don't even remember what section we were studying but I found myself so uh, taken up by spirit that I was led to say there are only three confusions the confusion of inside and outside and that confusion relates to identifying with the body when I no longer identify with this thing that has no life without me it has no life without me I know that because I've seen that life is not in the body so when I no longer identify with this body that confusion of in and out is resolved it's just resolved I think I'm seeing from within and he calls that perception but perception is not a whole picture when I rely on the body's eyes because I'm using a brain and a brain can't see he says that a brain can't see it's just a translator and it translates according to what I want that's a fact perception is a law of mind 
He says, you see what you believe is there, and you believe it's there because you want it there. When I get clear on I want the truth and only the truth, what happens is those things that are not the truth, sin, guilt, fear, condemnation, bodies, um, separation, all of that's just lifted from my mind. He calls that the atonement. My errors are corrected. They're all errors in perception based on this translating thing that I learned by conditioning. I allow that to be lifted, and that's the service that the Holy Spirit does for me when my mind is aligned with spirit. So, Holy Spirit leads me to the experience of holiness because it's the truth. The second thing that stands out for me in this reading is manifest. What is manifesting? (laughs) It goes like this. Projection is the law of mind. I cannot know I live unless I project. And that's what he means by perception. Um, You look in before you look out, and you choose the guide for seeing. And that guide for seeing, the Holy Spirit, also Christ consciousness, which is the manifestation of the Son of God, which is the truth of me. My mind is clear because the Holy Spirit's corrected the errors in my mind that caused me to have a a failure in communication. Now I am communicating with the mind of God. And when I communicate with the mind of God without interference, that is manifest by holiness because life is as holy as the holiness by which it was created. To the separate mind, holiness seems like an impossible reach, and it is. And it is, because of the confusion of inside and out. But when I'm not identified with body, I'm in spirit. And salvation comes from my one self. Remember that? From my capital, one self. Salvation comes from my one self. This one self is shared by all creation. It's as holy as the life by which it was created. This one self, this one mind. I allow my errors to be corrected by accepting atonement for myself. And when I accept atonement for myself, I'm lifted out of bodily identification to the self, the capitalist self of God, his one creation, his son. And that experience will manifest itself as the will of God. And now I understand what he means by means and end are one. God is first cause, cause and effect are one. There is no other cause for life but God. And if means, I'm the means for God, is one, then I am an effect of God. I am the love of God. And when my mind is clear, that truth will manifest itself just exactly like he says, Christ 
folds the body into himself and waves the frame of holiness. And the glorious thing about all this, the most glorious thing about all this is when I remain in communication with the mind of God, I'm led to have experiences that prove this to me. And it proves it to me over and over and over again by the light I see around me. Um, it's as if, it's, to me, it is as if I've raised an umbrella. And underneath that umbrella, everything that's exactly like me is contained and is holy. And it's all because I don't let illusion crowd my mind through the grace of the Holy Spirit. He says, to do the will of God, let me get this quote exactly right, I have it here, to fulfill the will of God perfectly is the only joy and peace that can be fully known because it is the only function that can be fully experienced. When I am allowing Christ light consciousness to manifest through me, I am fulfilling the will of God. And that is the only joy and peace that can be fully known and I can confirm it from a long dark spell without it. It is the only function that can be fully experienced. And when this is accomplished, there is no other experience. This experience is love. Love is how means and end are one. Love is how the will of God is fulfilled. Love is why cause and effect are one. Love is why giving and receiving are one in truth. Love is the singularity that unites all of God's creation in his own mind. When I give my mind to love, Christ does the rest. And the Holy Spirit will always bring that to me. He always does. Every time I say I don't know, I'm giving him that space for truth to manifest. And when truth is manifest, I'm happy. And people around me are happy. And it just seems like happiness is all that's going on. <laughs> my function and my happiness are one to fulfill the will of God. It's just to allow the love of God love through me. In the words of that beautiful poem, which I just feel called to find really quick, so I think I will. <laughs> Maybe, oh yeah, gee whiz, look at the time. Uh, I can find it really, really fast. Here it is, it's a poem from Amy Carmichael called Love Through Me, Love of God. Love through me, love of God, there is no love in me. O fire of love, light thou the love that burns perpetually. Flow through me, peace of God. Calm river flow until no wind can blow, no current stir. 
a ripple of self-will. Shine through me, joy of God, make me like thy clear air that thou dost pour thy colors through as though it were not there. O blessed love of God, that all may taste and see how good thou art. Once more I pray, love through me, even me. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lori. Oh, Christ. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. Thank you. Love you guys. <laughs>